Welcome to the 13th Hour Podcast. This is episode number 387, second episode of the year 2023. I'm your host, Joshua Lum, and uh, you may hear some background noises taking our dog for a walk, and thought I would record something that just happened to be thinking of, since, um, well, last week we talked about time and the use of it. This is one of those few times when I don't have other things that are also happening at the same time, although the dog may decide to chase something or have a poo or something like that. So there are <laughs> there are those things, but um, it's it's a it's a rare moment of self-reflection. So I, I try to take it when I can. You got to use those minutes where you can. I think. We got a lot of stuff coming at you. So, this uh, few things I was working on uh, recently, I thought I would discuss a little bit. I thought I would talk today about packaging, and I know that sounds very boring, but it's uh, it's something I've been working on. So, uh, I was thinking about how to package two different things, and that's uh, two figure, two sets of figures that I've been working on over the past several months that are basically almost done. The final steps have to do with packaging, really. The first one is the racketeer figures that I've been making. So these are about three and three quarter inches tall. They are cast from resin and I've been painting the pieces recently and they're they're just about done. The painting is, is just about done, and it's it's at the point now where it's I'm fitting I'm fitting the pieces together. There's some fine tuning that has to happen with that, sanding out little areas that catch and making sure things are smooth. But but the hard work is done. The painting, the little detail oriented work, applying decals and things like that. It's just fine tuning at this point. Ninety percent of it of the actual figure itself. But then there's actually the, the thing about packaging it. And you could just put it in a bag uh, and then call it a day. And I thought about doing that. But uh, I guess what keeps me from doing that is that uh, the packaging of a lot of these things, um, I think, says quite a bit. It's the accessories and the things that go with it. That was always a fun thing. Uh, if you were a kid alive in the 80s, and you ever got a toy, chances are the package was also, the box was a nice part of it. And there were, on the flip side of whatever it was, there probably was a description of what you got, as well as other things you could get. Now, this is consumerism uh, at its hilt, I guess, and uh, marketing and all these other things, right? But still, I have to say, it works, and there's something to that, and there's an art to that. I, I always enjoy going to um, other places. I would say usually other countries. Sometimes it's other locations, but you, I would say other places just in general, and looking at things that and, and how they are, how they're packaged, uh, like candy, drinks, and things like that. You know, if the actual thing itself is more or less the same. It's always interesting to see how they package it. So, haven't done a lot of traveling in the last couple of years, but did more of it 
I always thought it was kind of cool to see those kinds of things. And, you know, that's an art in itself. I would say the Japanese in particular, they, are, they take packaging sort of almost to the extreme, where everything is sort of individually wrapped and packaged in such a way that, you know, it's very visually appealing in many cases. So I think the same could be said of some of the toys that I grew up with, the, the art and so forth that was on usually a piece of cardboard, which I don't really have an easy ability to create. You can get, I think, a um, you can buy the cardboard and you can paste pieces of paper on it, uh, or maybe there's a way to print the images on a thicker piece of cardstock or something like that. The part that I I don't really have the ability to do, and I don't um, I don't know if it's worth doing, is the ability to make sort of like vacuum sealed plastic pieces that fit over the figure. And now you can get uh, formed shells, I think, you know, plastic shells that you could then attach onto the cardboard. But I've always thought that that was a little bit. Um, uh, it's you have to if you if you want to actually use it, you want to actually take it out of the package. Then what do you do? I, I guess that some people get around this by creating packaging that is reusable. Essentially, you don't have to just rip it off and destroy the the card back. You could actually get things that are um, you can put on and then take off, and they kind of snap into place. So far, I have not gone that route. So far, what I've done is I've thought of ways to create little boxes. I guess the idea, the original idea behind a matchbox car. And I think this is probably just, again, an ode to some of the things I remember from growing up. Gobot. They came from a line of Japanese robots. I think the original name was called Machine Robo, and they came in little cardboard boxes, and that was one of the first one. I think the first one I got it was probably an import from somewhere in Asia, and uh, well, probably Japan actually. I remember the packaging. I don't have it anymore, but it was uh, still have the figure, uh, the you know the the robot. It was shaped like a little a little uh, locomotive. I don't know, like trains at the time. Didn't know anything about robots. I probably was five or something like that, but yeah, it was in uh, Chinatown in Manhattan. We'd gone there, and there was a sea of these uh, these toys and stuff like that hitting U.S. shores. And but anyway, I remember that the packaging was like a little box, and uh, I guess I've always been inspired by that. I like the idea, I guess, of kind of a self-contained house, I guess, if you will. And so, like, if you've seen the pictures of, like, little Lego figures I've done and things like that, I've packaged them in little clear plastic boxes that they can fit in. Uh, and the Beverly Switzler figure, I did the same thing. I used the same little boxes. I have a few more Rocketeer Lego figures, I think, to make that I'll use the, uh, the same strategy for. Uh, exactly the same. I have a few other little characters that I was looking through 
that I thought I would make. Uh, also with Lego, and there's there's one of Logan for the 13th hour. I've been slowly gathering the parts of these, you know, over the years. It takes a while to find these things, and so the idea of having a little box like that is what I've maintained for all of these things. I don't know if I'll do that going forward for everything, but uh, at least some of these, I think it's been nice. And so that's what I did for the the Rocketeer figure. What I did in that case was I've been saving styrofoam. I think I talked about this before. I got a, a thing that you basically plug into the wall and it heats up and there's a metal implement at the end. It's like a soldering iron basically. And it heats up, it gets hot, and it cuts styrofoam like a hot knife. In fact, I think that's what it's called, a hot knife. That allows you to cut the styrofoam more easily. The kind of styrofoam I found that worked pretty well was this sort of squishy um, styrofoam that would come in packaging for sometimes it's electronics, sometimes other stuff, but it absorbs some impact. It's a little bit like the foam that I'm trying to think what usually is made similarly. Well, I think of sparring gear. You know, like gloves and shin, shin protectors and stuff like that. It absorbs a lot of impact. And it's very easy to work with. It doesn't fall apart. Like traditional styrofoam, like with the little balls. I've used that. I cut that into place in creating like a little cradle for the figure to sit in. A little bed, so to speak, to support the, uh, uh, the legs and um, the... So there's not a lot of side-to-side -side play, so when you pick it up, it doesn't rattle around a lot. Ideally, you want something that sort of protects the figure, I think. So that, that, was, that was the idea there. And uh, I'll close a picture of one of the ones that I have done so far. I ended up painting them uh, and then putting them in the, in the little boxes. And so they're all done at this point. They snap open. The last piece of it, is to make a picture for the front and I guess the back too. Um, most of these will be gifts uh, for people, um, but I think I will auction off a few just like I did with the Lego Rocketeers uh, and they will be for charity auctions. Uh, proceeds will go to the Harry Cell Leukemia Foundation, which is the illness that took Dave Stevens where his, uh, his family sends their sends proceeds to their from their foundation, the Rocketeer Trust, which is managed by his sister, Jennifer. And uh, that's um, so that'll be coming this year, but so I, I'd like to uh, maybe I'll even reuse the same picture I did for the Lego figures. I don't know. Uh, the, the Lego Rocketeer or the Lego Rocketeers came with a bunch of accessories. Um, this one, the main accessory, I guess, because the rocket pack just stays on, is um, th there's a, a little holster, the flap of which, which opens, and then a pistol will come out. So that's the main accessory. And one of the pieces of, of the fitting process will be making sure the pistol actually fits in his hand. Uh, and then the holster can be a re can be attached in such a way that it doesn't fall off 
So that, that's, uh, that's his main accessory, but that all fits inside the case. It's sort of a self-contained little unit. And I think what I also need to make is a, a little um, spine uh, kind of announcement or uh, title, I guess. I did this with the Lego figures where uh, on the spine of it, it, it says what it is. Now I use Chinese characters there, um, Chinese uh, translation of Rocketeer, what Jinren, um, for, for this. <laughs> I may, may do the same thing with these as well. I kind of view them as like a bigger version of the, the Lego ones. So maybe I'll even put an O to the, <laughs> the, the Lego versions there uh, on the back. Like, you can also collect these. At least a few of them will go there. Oh, one other thing that a very closely related thing that I was working on at the same time, also with styrofoam, was uh, the 13th hour figures. And I, it took me a long time to figure out this part. But Disney VHS movies, not just Disney ones, but a lot of Disney VHS movies, used to come in a clamshell case. It was sort of fiddly, not terribly durable. They're usually white. They were a little bit bigger, but they would open in such a way that it was a little bit like a book, and a insert would slide in the front, which had a picture, which you could see on the front and back, and then on the spine, it would say what the movie was, and the VHS cassette would be nestled inside. So if you actually try to buy that packaging, it's very hard to find. It's also incredibly expensive. I don't know why. I mean, how many people use VHS cassettes anymore? But you can find the movies for quite, you know, quite inexpensively. Um, so I picked up a bunch of old VHS, I think all Disney movies. Uh, they were like probably less than $2 a piece, uh, all things considered. And I'm basically using the packaging. Um, I, I think we actually have most of the movies or have access to them. I'll see if there's any ones that kids want to see, but uh, give them give them the movies. But uh, I, I really got it for the cases. Uh, I happened to find ones that were in relatively good condition. Uh, a lot of times those cases get broken and so forth. But these were pretty good. And I cut pieces of foam insulation that I got at a hardware store to actually nestle the figures and the accessories in there. So. Again, uh, what often happened with the, with the traditional card backs like G.I. Joe and so forth, they would make little, I guess you could call them blister packs, um, where the plastic would form around the accessory and then would be basically uh, attached, you know, through glue or whatever to the cardboard. And it would hold everything in place and make it uh, good for shipping and hanging in a store and display because you could see right through the plastic but then once you open it that was pretty much it. So you could kind of get around this if you if you left the if you didn't rip it right off and you just made a cut in the plastic and you could slide the accessory in and out but it was still kind of awkward. Um, it doesn't store particularly nicely if you want to save them. Some people don't open anything they just view it as a piece of art and uh, you know, hanging on a wall or something like that, but if you actually wanted to play with it, I always thought it would be nice to keep all the accessories together. I notice when my kids get something, 
And the accessories, of course, are the first thing to get lost. The little little bits of things, like a Barbie or whatever. All those little plastic bits, they get lost all over the place. I did the same thing. G.I. Joe's. I'm surprised that I kept as many as I did. <laughs> How many of those things get vacuumed up or swept up or lost? They fall in the crack in the floor or down an air vent or something like that. So there should be a name of that, that land of all the lost uh, G.I. Joe guns or all the little Barbie pieces or whatever they get lost, you know, soon after the kid opens it. And it's really funny, the way you would open them is you, you'd pull the the plastic part off the card back and then all the pieces go scattering all over. So if you did it with enough force, which doesn't take a lot, actually, uh, everything goes goes scattering all over the place. So this is like a little bed that I, I thought I would do. Made a styrofoam. In fact, two kinds of styrofoam. There's like cutouts for everything, and then there's a little soft styrofoam mattress, so to speak, that everything fits in. Painted it, and so all the figures and the accessories, which um, in this case, Logan has basically two. He has a trident, um, he has a hoverboard, which is the one I'm probably most proud of, because it's magnets, and it, it, um, it just clips on, his feet have magnets in them, and the uh, lightning, the hoverboard, has a thin piece of metal on top, which is painted over, of course, but then it just clips onto that. And uh, so there's that. There is the um, uh, Aurora. Uh, Aurora has a bow. Uh, I had to create like little loops around the accessory so their hand would just kind of slide into it because the, the initial sculpt that I used didn't easily, it couldn't hold things very well. And this is one thing I would change, it would be that. It was the first time doing figures like that, and so live and learn. But uh, they have some accessories and they all fit in there, and so I'll include a little video uh, link that you can kind of see what they actually look like. I have to say that that was actually quite, uh, it was quite challenging. It was a lot more difficult than I thought it would be, and it probably added a lot of time, like months and months, onto the whole process to figure out how I wanted to do that, but I don't know. I, if I had to do it again, I might necessarily do something that's that labor-intensive, cutting the foam, figure, fitting it, and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. You know, sourcing out the, the VHS parts and stuff like that, but I figured that that would be... I don't know, it just kind of fits with the whole thing. There's only, I, I have six of them total, so there's a total of 12, 12 of those figures. And so it's obviously a small, limited run. The, the last piece of it is making the artwork that will actually slide in there. So it'll slide in the, uh, it'll be a front and a back and a spine, and it'll slide in the case itself. So that's the last piece of it. And uh, that will coincide with the uh, album release, Once Upon a Dream, it's coming later this year, uh, which I have to, the last thing that goes along with that album release is uh, there are these magnet uh, dolls that I started, hmm, I don't know, sometime in the middle of the pandemic, uh, where it's, the, the, again, Logan Aurora, you can, they have their um, outfits and stuff like that, and you, you can mix and match them and so forth, and they come with a bunch of little 
little magnet accessories. It's, everything's two-dimensional. I got uh, uh, little tins that would fit CDs and stuff like that. So some of the CDs that have the music will go in there, and then the magnet, you know, the, the magnet dolls will be like accessories there. But I have to create the the image that goes on the front of it. I have some images that are backgrounds, basically, that are done. Uh, I have to print those out. And uh, but yes, the packaging for that particular one again is is one that uh, we'll need to get done. So these are all little final details, but I think since the packaging is sort of the first thing you see and is also the housing for all this stuff, I wanted to put some time and care into how it got done because even though in some ways it's the least interesting, it's the glue, I guess you could say. It's the, it's the first impression, I think. And so I think it's just in many ways just as important as I think the, uh, the actual toy itself. I guess you could say it's the whole package, and I guess that's what I was sort of going for. So um, packaging is, is uh, sort of a weird topic, I think, to talk about, but it's one that uh, I find I have thought a fair amount about, and I'm sure other people think much, much more about it. Um, I have the maybe luxury, because these are all small things. I don't really expect to make any profit off all, any of this stuff, of just doing it and doing it kind of however I want. I don't have to think about costs necessarily because everything is fairly inexpensive and if I take you know months to do something it's not a big deal whereas you know a large company has to think about making it as cheaply as possible with as few resources as possible and as easy as possible so forth I don't necessarily have to think about doing that but I, I imagine you could probably scale this sort of stuff up if you wanted to I don't think it would be very cost effective but uh, for small, limited runs, it probably is okay. So that's, uh, that's it for today. Uh, you'll see updates for all these particular projects over the next year. Um, in the show notes, you will see some pictures and uh, probably some videos, uh, like video links onto social media of what I'm talking about. And uh, you will hear uh, more about uh, this sort of stuff, and particularly the launch of the new album, Once Upon a Dream, in the next coming months. I have one more. Everything is everything is done except for one particular thing. I have to add vocals to one particular track. And then, of course, work on the packaging for that. So that actually is this whole thing, because I'll have to create a uh, an inside, um, I guess, the, like the cover art, as well as like, sort, of the, sort of the inside insert, like the inside sleeve, and figure out whether it should be on a cassette or not. I don't know if cassette is like sort of the way to go. Uh, it's quite expensive to do, but maybe, maybe in some cases I will do it. I don't know. So uh, again, all about packaging. <laughs> so interesting, uh, but odd topic, I guess, in a way. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Um, I appreciate all of you, and we'll talk to you guys in the future. Hey, a couple last minute things before you go. Thanks for listening to this show. If you liked it, you can find many more on the website 13thhr.wordpress.com or on your favorite podcasting platform. You can often find behind the scenes information about this show and other things that I do on social media, such as Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You'll see links to those in the show notes. Sometimes people will ask me, how can I help contribute to the show or other things that, that I do? And probably one of the easiest ways is by going over to Facebook and looking up the Facebook group called 13th Hour Arts. 
and it's a place for not only to discuss these kinds of things, but also for you to share your own creative process and the things that you're doing that bring meaning to your life. You can also do things that are entirely free, such as leaving a review for a book, music, this particular podcast, share it with friends, subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform, email me, W-R-I-T-E-J-O-S-H-U-A-B-L-U-M at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your suggestions and comments. You can also leave a one-time donation over at Coffee, and that's K-O-F-I slash 13THHR. It's basically like a virtual tip jar, kind of like the sort of thing like a piano player might have at a bar or something like that. For a small amount, you can also leave a donation on a monthly basis at Patreon, and that helps bring new things to this particular show and to support future projects. And that's at 13th Hour Arts. It's also a place for patrons to share their own creative process and the things that bring inspiration and meaning to them. I hope by sharing a little bit of the creative process in this particular show, it gets people to cultivate that aspect of their own life and to remember that those things are important even if you are an adult and you may not have time for it. Hopefully by paying attention to those aspects of your own life, you can remember your own dreams and aspirations and help create a world and make a world that you want to be in. And at the end of the day, That's sort of what the 13th hour is about. So thanks as always for listening, and I'll talk to you guys next week.